almost Pesach. Almost Pesach and everybody's nervous. So maybe talking a little bit about something we find in the telling of the story of Pesach that might be a positive kind of distraction. If you look up at the dedication, this year is dedicated in memory of Rav Kalman Gershon Bar Binyamin HaKohen Bissara Zichronam Livracha by Chavi Newman, Hirschman, Dr. Shalom Hirschman, and Binyamin Maimon, very close friends of the Web Yeshiva and especially close friends of the Brabanda family. So the the Torah says that before Yitziat Mitzrayim, or actually when they were about to leave Mitzrayim, they had to do something. There was some kind of special mitzvah that they had to do in order to to get the ball rolling, so to speak. And those psukim, let's look at those psukim. Shmot Perikud Bet, starting from Pesukah Bet. I didn't put in all the Psukim, but some of them. Olekachtem. It's a tzivui, a command by God to B'nai Yisrael, you'll take Agudate Zov, like a kind of a, a collection of uh, a broom. You know, like, a, like a broom. And to Valtem Bedam Asher Basab, and you, uh, you uh, immerse it into the blood which is in the vessel that you are holding uh, you remember that the uh the torah demanded Moshe Rabbeinu told B'nai Yisrael that they had to take a sheep and tie it up and then slaughter it on the day they were going to leave and collect the blood and it's this blood that we're talking about and you kind of put the blood on the uprights on the door, on the front door, the two side uprights and one at the top. And, and you know, just put on blood, put on the blood. You take, it, you take the blood that's in this vessel and you put it on the doorpost. And you better not leave your house until the morning, the morning of the day of the Exodus. Well, what's this all about? I mean, why do they have to put blood on the mezuzot? Why do they have to put blood on the on the uprights of the door? So Pasukav Gimel, Pasukav Gimel says, Ve'avar Hashem God will pass over Egypt and will afflict it. And and Hashem will see the blood, you know, on, on your house and on the two mezuzot, on the two uprights holding up the door. Upasach Hashem ala petach. Pasach Hashem ala petach. Rashi, what is upasach? Second explanation. V'yesh lomar v'dileg. He'll, he'll jump over it. He pasach. He won't afflict that house. 
He will not allow whoever is called the mashchit, the, the killer, the, 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 the one who enjoys killing other people, the sake. Rashi says, He won't be able to come. He won't have the strength that uh, that you need. You watch it, keep it, maintain it, think about it. Uh, keep keep doing what you're supposed to be doing at Avodah Azot. I'm sorry. When you come to this land, and I promise you, which God will give to you, as has been stated otherwise, I mean, watch this service that you're giving God. I mean, what does that mean? So let's look at the Rashi. At the last Pasuk, Vayuki Tavola Aretz. You see that Pasuk? Vayaki Tavola Aretz. Talaha Katuv Mitzvazo Biviatam Aretz. God has made this mitzvah a condition on coming to Eretz Yisrael. But Rashi reminds us. As long as they were in the desert, they were in the desert for 38 years. Well, 38 years of punishment, 40 years altogether. So why does Rashi say this? Look again at Rashi. They did not. They were not obliged in the desert to fulfill this mitzvah of ushmartem et avodah hazot. Ella bepesach echad. All the years of the desert, they only did one pesach. Shasuba shana shenit, which they did in the second year. Val piadiburad specifically commanded by Hakadosh Baruch to, to, to keep. So they didn't keep. I didn't. So, it sounds like, according to Rashi, Pesach. How do we keep this story of what is all this about? I mean, if God wants to punish the, the Mitzrim, I mean, why does he need this apparatus? of blood on the door of the doorposts in order that the mashchit should be able to recognize where the Jews are. I mean, can't this be worked out? I mean, after all, all the makot, well, most of the makot, most of the makot were aimed at the Egyptians. The plagues were aimed at the magicians, at the Egyptians, and the mephoshim say quite, uh, uh, definitively, 
that the fact that the Jews lived in a separate place in the land of Goshen made it uh, 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 able, made it able for God to afflict the Egyptians, but not to afflict the Jews at the same time. There might have been an exception, the the affliction of Choshech, for example, of darkness might have been an exception, but but let's just think in terms of the murder of the firstborn. The murder of the firstborn. Why couldn't God uh, arrange that? Why did the Mashchit need a visible sign to stay out of the wrong house and kill the wrong people. And, and what was the point? I mean, so in order to understand this, understand this matter, we have to understand, we have to take into account first that this part of the story does not really exist in the Haggadah that we use. I mean, it could exist. You could add it in, but it wasn't seen somehow in the generations to be important enough to be included in the Haggadah that we use, that we know, that we love. We don't. We don't tell the story about the blood and the mashkov and how God was unable somehow to do it without. So that in order to understand this story, in order to understand this story, I would say that first of all, it's not a story about God. It's a story about B'nai Yisrael. And you might say that B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael had to prove themselves worthy of Yitziat Mitzrayim. And the way that they did it was by accepting upon themselves a mitzvah. God said, you have to do this. And they could have said, well, I mean, don't you know where it is? Don't you know where we live? Don't you know who we are? Why do we have to do it? You know, like people who complain can always find a reason to complain. But they did not complain. They did not complain. They accepted the obligation, even though it was a difficult obligation. It had to do with a sheep and tying to the bed and uh, and slaughtering the sheep and taking the blood. This is a, you know, take, you're talking about an enterprise. Talking about an enterprise. And, and this enterprise probably was designed probably was designed to uh, <clears throat> to enable the people to be responsive, to be responsive to a direct command by a Kurdish book. And it was the response to the direct command to a Kurdish book, which seems to have enabled, seems to have enabled uh, Yitziat Mitzrayim. And even though I don't yet understand these pieces, but I think that the approach is correct. B'nai Yisrael were not ready to leave on their own. 
whatever it was that they were supposed to have learned in Mitzrayim as slaves was not complete. They didn't learn it properly. They didn't know what they were supposed to know in order to be the nation that would receive the Torah. Because as we all understand, and I've said it many times, you don't get uh, the presence that you get that really are free are the ones that you don't want. And B'nai Israel were not in Mitzrayim in order that they should gain the freedom from God, but they were there in Mitzrayim in order to learn what the nation of God is supposed to be like. And when it came down to it, when it came down to it, there were two different things going on. There were the Egyptians being punished for their for their heavy hand against B'nai Israel, and that's why the nine makot or the ten makot were made against the Egyptians. And the other thing that was happening apparently was that the Jews, the people of Israel, were going to be freed from their slavery by a direct intervention of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now all of this is clarifying because that's why, because the Makot, because the plagues in Mitzrayim are aimed at the Egyptians, they're not really discussed at length. And because this mitzvah of, of smearing the blood on the doorpost was in order to make sure that B'nai Yisrael are worthy of the exodus, it is also not part of the Passover forever. Now, we don't have any action that we do that, uh, that creates a memory of this event as important and as striking as it might have been. We don't have that. In fact, we have Psukim. And so, so if I want to go further and try to understand what it is, what it is that, uh, that uh, these events had to do with Yitziat Mitzrayim. So I would say, just one second, These psukim in Vayikra Perikavhei in Bahar, the end of the book of Vayikra, these psukim explain something about Yitziat Mitzrayim. Pasuk Membet, Pasuk Membet says, Ki Abadai Heim, B'nai Yisrael are slaves. They are still slaves. They're slaves of God. And I took them out of Mitzrayim. In other words, they should not be sold in the manner of selling or buying a slave. So while it is true that, that, there, are, that there are Jewish slaves,
while it is true that there are Jewish slaves or slavery exists for the Jews, it really only exists as a, uh, a financial arrangement. If somebody owes money and he can't pay it, well, he could pay it off by sort of being a laborer for the person who he owes the money to, and that's called Eved. It's called an Eved Yisrael. But the Pasuk says, there's a, there's a kind of a disconnect between slavery and being devoted to God. If you're devoted to God, you can't be a slave. Why can't you be a slave? Because you are the slaves of God. When did this happen? This distinction, as you would say, when I took them out of Mitzrayim, this distinction between Avadai and Avadim, let's say, Avadai, the slaves of God, and slavery became clear. Another pasuk, uh, pasuk nun hey, this time, just, you know, several pasukim further in the same parasha, ki libene Yisrael avadim. It's an explanation of itself. The first pasuk says, avadaihem, you are my slaves. Second pasuk says, ki libene Yisrael avadim, who's speaking, Hashem is speaking, it says, b'nei Yisrael are my slaves. Avadaihem, avadaihem, Let's look at the Rashi. Let's look at the Rashi. Rashi. You see the Rashi? I have prior, I have a, a prior debt. The debt to me precedes any other debt. Ani Hashem Elokeichem Kol HaMishtabdan Milimata Ki'ilu Mishtabdan Milimala Ani Hashem Elokeichem You have to make sure to maintain the distinction between Avadayim the slaves of God and the slaves of anybody else. And when did Avadai, when was Avadai Haim created? According to the Pasuk, Pasuk Nun Hei, Avadai Haim, Ashotseti Otam Eretz Mitzrayim. Ashotseti Otam Eretz Mitzrayim. Ani Hashem Elokeche. And this somehow created the relationship between God and B'nai Yisrael that could be summarized by the words Ani Hashem. Okay, so we know that there was something missing when the Jews left Mitzrayim. And we know that the result of Yitzhak Mitzrayim was that B'nai Yisrael became enslaved to God, became enslaved to God. And the statement Ani Hashem Elokeichem can be said at this time. Can be said at at this time. We go back to the first the first psukim that we read. <coughs> we still don't understand 
why God couldn't just kill the Egyptians. So we thought that what we said was that maybe the B'nai Israel needed a mitzvah. Okay, they, they needed a mitzvah, but why did it have to be so public a mitzvah? Something that was so offensive to the Egyptians that they came running after B'nai Yisrael. Why was that the uh, why was that the case? Well, there's something here that is still very unclear to me. <clears throat> why was it that this Pesach was not Pesach Mitzrayim? That this Pesach was not celebrated during the forty years in the desert, save once was one time that it was uh, just to give you a, a short introduction uh, David says to prove their faith in Hashem yeah that's that's always good it's always good we get it a little bit more I mean it's good but I need it a little bit more uh Definitively, you know, there is this always this problem of how do we know? How do we know that we have free will? How do we know we have free will? I mean, the Rambam says the Rambam says quite clearly in his Otshuva. The Rambam says the Torah gives us free will. And if we didn't have free will, then there would, what would be the point? What would be the point of having mitzvot, of keeping the mitzvot, of not keeping the mitzvot? What, what difference would it make? I mean, it's only, only something that makes sense if, if what we do is meaningful. If we didn't have free will, I mean, what we do is not meaningful. So, I mean, I don't want to get into the, uh, to the arguments that uh, that even great Rabbanim had about free will, just take it as a as a kind of a principle that the Jewish person must have free will, other be otherwise being Jewish is meaningless. Being Jewish is meaningless. So the question is like, what is free will? Well, let's try to define it. So free will. Let's say somebody somebody decides to steal. Well, he decides to steal, or he decides to, you know, to rob the bank. So he did a free will act. He went and he robbed the bank. But if somebody forces him to rob the bank, so then he, that's not free will. I mean, you could, you could force somebody to do bad things. And when you force somebody to do bad things, you can't say that he's really responsible, that he, he didn't do it. He was forced to do it. So 19th or 18th century philosophy realized that there was a weakness in this argument. And the weakness in the argument, the weakness in the argument was that even if you think you're doing something because you're free to do it, it may be that you're influenced. 
by the way you grew up, by the friends that you had, by the parents and their demands and the, all of these things influence you. You go back. So there's the influence on the parents, which influence the children. But the, the, there's like a chain. There's like a chain of events. And so there, you can't really say that it's my free choice. You could say there's no such thing as free choice. You could say that there's no such thing as uh, free choice. So one of the great philosophers, one of the great was wanted to solve this conundrum because he obviously wanted, wanted there to be free choice. So he said, he said something, I mean, he wasn't a particularly religious personality, but he said the only way to have free choice is if you're directed to do whatever you do by a, well, he didn't say it, but it sounds to me like a, like a heavenly director, something that we would probably call Hashem. So that it's only the mitzvot, accepting the mitzvot, which may seem to some people to be a burden, but nevertheless is the ultimate free will action because it itself is not promoted by anything is not caused by anything that we know about so that having a mitzvah before yitziat mitzrayim could explain to am yisrael could explain to am yisrael that they are expected to be free will actors when it comes to the to the Torah. And the mitzvah, the mitzvah that was given to B'nai Yisrael was to take something in hand, to be in charge of their situation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to them, if you accept, if you accept in in as in you, your free will allows you to accept the directive from heaven, it will save you. It will save you, and that's what happened, and that's what created. That's what created the people of Israel, and that's what enabled enabled Yitziat Mitzrayim. So we have kind of made a distinction. We saw on the one hand that the Makot, that the plagues in Mitzrayim, they didn't create Yitziat Mitzrayim. As much as the Mitzrayim were beaten, they recovered instantly and prevented the Jews from leaving, and prevented the Jews from leaving. Uh, it did not, I'm sorry, they recovered instantly and prevented the Jews from leaving Mitzrayim. So that story and that undertaking of the Makot in Mitzrayim has nothing to do with Yitzhak Mitzrayim other than it is the punishment for the actions of the Egyptians against the Jews during the 210 years of their enslavement. 
This is also true about Makat Becharot. This is also true about Makat Becharot, but in the story of Makat Becharot killing the firstborn, there's another story about how the Jews were able to avoid punishment at that time. They were able to avoid becoming uh, becoming with the Egyptian children, you know, fodder for the mashki, for the Satan that was coming to the Malach HaMavet, right? The angel of death that was coming to destroy uh, B'nai Yisrael. What they did was they, they performed a mitzvah. And in performing that mitzvah, they understood something about free will. That what they are going to, what's going to make them into a, a, a nation that is different from other nations, a nation that accepts the notion of free will for themselves, other than the other, the other nations that don't accept that, that was done by smearing the blood, by listening to the command, by doing what they were supposed to do. And that's what enabled them. That's what enabled them to leave because they left right away. They didn't have to do any of this with the other makot, which were aimed at the Egyptians and not and not aimed at the at the Jews. Not aimed at the Jews. So you see that Paro, Paro, for example, who based his uh, response. I'm on the Zoom. Just say hello. Say oh. hello. Try it one more time. Okay, am I disturbing something? <laughs> okay. So you see that you, you, you see that the only way that we have of kind of ultimately acting freely is by accepting the mitzvah. And that, that's kind of a theme that comes up again and again in the Torah and also in Torah, well, of course, but in the Torah itself, embedded in the Torah, are the, is another story, and it's the story of accepting uh, the free will that enabled Yitziat, that enabled Yitziat Mitzrayim. Uh, there's got to be a source of the command. The command's got to come from someplace that is not causal, right? Not because of something that the the command was given, and that's that's what the commands of the Torah are. They come from a divine source that is not influenced by, or affected by, or or led in a certain direction, which would be a denial of free will. But it 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 is its own creation. the The Torah is created. Uh, out of the thinking of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but there's nothing that comes before that. There's nothing that you could tie to that. Okay, I'm not sure we've uh, actually done it, but I think uh, there's maybe you have something to think about. I wish you all HaKadosh Baruch Remember, if you have a Shaila, ask a rabbi or somebody who knows what rabbi should know. All the best. Be well. Thank you, Rabbi.
Be well. Have Chag Hashem Sameach.